1: From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Alexa Gagas, in for Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. Rhode Island's restaurant and tourism industries have suffered some serious blows during the past two years of the pandemic. But with the weather getting warmer and mask mandates lifted, are we ready for our comeback? To get the latest on what this summer has in store and how Rhode Island businesses have adapted to the pandemic, we'll talk to Dale Venturini with the Rhode Island Hospitality Association and Kristen Adamo from the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau after this quick break. Welcome back. I'm here with Dale Venturini, the president and CEO of the Rhode Island Hospitality Association, and Kristen Damo, president and CEO of the Providence Warwick Convention and Visitors Bureau. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us.
1: It's nearly summer when travelers from all over flock to our beaches, dine in Newport's restaurants, and attend PVD Fest. But after two years of this pandemic, are we actually back?
2: Well, I think we're getting there. When you look at Providence, we are at about 87% when it comes to meetings and conventions. The hotel numbers are coming back. Warwick is already back, and I think the southern half of the state is. So I feel confident by the end of the summer that we'll really be back to our, our 2019 levels.
1: Does that include business travel too? Business travel is always going to be a challenge.
2: People are traveling for different reasons and people are still a little cautious and then the rise of Zoom. So we have to make it more compelling for people to come here. But I think there's always going to be a need for
1: people to meet face to face. What about you, Dale? Are we fully back and when will that happen?
3: I don't have a crystal ball on that one. Do I think we're fully back? No, but I think we're getting there. It's been very interesting to see some of the challenges and also the optimism that I've seen out there. And we've been hearing this phrase being coined, "bleisure traveling. We're finding out that when a business traveler comes, they're more apt to stay a few extra days now that we've got them out. They've already gotten on the plane. They've reserved their hotel. So now they want to spend a little extra time and discover. So it's all about being creative on the reason people can come back out and enjoy this great state.
1: And, you know, Kristen, we've spoken about downtown many times before, particularly in downtown Providence. I live there. I absolutely love it. I've always felt safe no matter what time of day or night I'm walking around. However, I know that last year there was issues with rowdy ATV drivers. There was some violence. And I know that might be a challenge for you when you're trying to market Providence. What challenges are you facing for this year?
2: Well, I think it's better because I think the first thing that you need to have a vital downtown is people. And we're seeing more people, whether it's convention delegates that we bring in or business travelers or office workers, university students. So I think that baseline is there. And so what we've been working on is making sure that there's activity. PAC's back in full force. Water Fire will be back. All of that will contribute to the vitality of downtown.
1: What kind of campaigns are you working on just to bring travelers back inside?
2: We will be doing, I believe, a dedicated marketing campaign specifically for downtown. And that's going to not just focus on tourists, it's going to focus on locals, because I personally think that locals are far more harsh to downtown Providence than a visitor. Visitors have traveled all over the country and seen other cities. And so when you look at that comparison, really, we get a lot of positive feedback about the center of our city.
1: Yeah. You know, one qualm that I have with downtown on a Saturday night, for example, I'm always looking for a place to grab a late dinner, possibly around 9 or 10 o'clock, yet so many restaurants are still closing so early. I think even up-and-coming restaurants that are brand new, Kins of the world, even Figdini closes around 10, 11 o'clock at night. Is it a challenge that you're both faced with at this point?
3: We are faced with that, and it is a staffing issue. There are only so many hours in the day that you can have your current staff working. So you have to really balance that and weigh that again. Against the time that you want to stay open. If you haven't noticed already, there's a lot of folks that have not yet reopened for lunch because there's not enough people downtown to support that business. Once you see the business come back, people will weigh what their needs are and how they can expand their hours. But until that happens, it really is impossible for people to stay open. What about you, Kristen?
2: So I think Dale's right on the money. And I would add one of the things that Dale's team is taking the lead on that we fully support is people being nice to people and being kind. We are short-staffed in the restaurant community and the hotel community. Everyone is trying their best, and they have lived through incredible amounts of job stress. And so for us, that's really part of it is please be kind to the people who are showing up for work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you brought up a really good point about expanding back for lunch. You know, what restaurants are actually going to be open for lunch? Are they going to continue opening at 4 or 5 o'clock for dinner service? Are we pretty reliant on when office workers are
3: going to be coming back, if ever? I think we're relying on a couple of things. We're reliant on the convention center. As Kristen talked about getting people back downtown, we're reliant heavily on the people that work here. That come out for lunch. I've seen a couple of restaurants be really creative about, you know, take out for if you're at home, we're gonna give you a space for you to work in. But again, it's all about numbers and ha- being able to staff that period of time because it's not only staffing the time that someone would come to lunch, it's the prep time in advance, the cleanup time after. So it's it's everybody looking and evaluating their business model to decide what is going to work the best for them.
1: Remote work, hybrid work that might be here to stay. So, how do we keep a re- rejuvenated downtown Providence or downtown Newport or elsewhere in the state if those office workers actually never return fully?
3: That's an excellent question and one I don't have all of the answers to. But It's about being creative and figuring out different ways and getting together and talking it out. And the interesting part about COVID, well, there's two things that happened during COVID. One, it brought the community together in such a way that I haven't seen in a long time, and people sharing ideas and different ways of doing business because we all work together so much and depend on each other. But there's another part that didn't do as well, and it separated people. And it separated people because some people got money from the federal government and others did not. And as a result, it became a have versus have not. For the first time in my career, I've seen where friends are not speaking to each other right now because of that. So there's this really interesting period we're in right now about bringing back that communication, bringing back that one voice to talk about the need of the entire industry of the entire state. It's hard, however. It's hard when your business is suffering. It's hard when you don't have your employees. And it's so hard to stay positive. And that's what Kristen and I do all the time is, what can we do? What what cheerleading can we do? And and I don't mean that to be in a fake way. What are the resources that we can pull to help operators? You know, I work for a very interesting industry and they are so self-reliant, they're so proud. They're amazing people to me that they don't want to ever say that something's wrong. But now we have to sit down and figure out what what are those barriers right now? How are we going to break down those barriers? We can't bring back everybody to the office, so what's the next step? And part of it is a burden that I feel like is on us, on
2: me, and um, the tourism regions and the state is product development. So if we're not getting office workers, then we have to find a compelling reason to get other people here. So it's about being strategic and smart. You know, what can we do to bring more people downtown? For example, I think in Down City does the blocking of the streets. And there's a lot of things you can do like that. I'm personally working with Waterfire and the Avenue concept. And we're talking about what are we going to do in December? when, which is typically our dead zone.
1: Dale, you also spoke about the haves and haves not of the restaurant industry right now. And I'm guessing that some of those dollars have to do with the restaurant revitalization funds through Congress. Are you advocating right now or anyone in your office for Congress to fulfill those and refund that again?
3: I don't like the game of ping pong to begin with, but that's all I've been playing for the last several months. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've been in DC four times in the last month and a half on this issue as well as others. You know, Back in the day, some things that were costly to do were just the cost of doing business because business was doing well. Today, we're treating nickels like manhole covers. Mm. We have to look, we're we're checking in the couches to find the extra change because we have to account for every dime today. And I just saw the recent economics, like eggs went up 80%. Mm. You cannot increase your prices 80%. And I know the general public has been really patient with us in understanding the labor shortage and the cost of goods and the supply chain. I hope I don't hear those words very much in the future, <laughs> by the way, in the word pivot. But they're very real. They're right. very real. And the challenge is every day is how to work within those parameters. Mm-hmm. So our job right now, I always say Kristen and I have such a complementary jobs for each other. I always say I'm the back of the house and she's the front of the house. You know, she's selling the destination and I'm behind the scenes making sure it's there for her to sell. You know,
1: Kristen, maybe you can answer this, but is there anything exciting to get people downtown or just anywhere this summer right now?
2: Yeah. I mean, I always start with the philosophy, give the people what they want. And the one thing that everyone wants to know about is water fire. So we're pushing mm-hmm. water fire really hard. We're pushing a lot of the neighborhoods really hard. We want to do more probably in the next year with some and product development about walking tours we have a very successful black history walking tour and we want to start telling other stories about other cultures with arpa funding available and i'm waiting on those placemaking grants to see what bubbles up out of that from commerce because i think you're going to see people get creative and for the first time they might have resources to actually fund some of those really cool ideas i think we have enough to get started and i think we're going to have a lot of momentum in the next year
1: And when it comes to neighborhoods, too, in Providence, I think of Broad Street, which I think is overlooked so much. But there is some fantastic food over there. Um, There's so much arts and culture, so much music. Um, Is there anything that you guys are concentrating on at the Visitors Bureau when it comes to Broad Street or just South Providence in general?
2: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we did pre-pandemic that we need to get back to is we used to host meetings of all of the neighborhood association leaders and find out kind of what they're doing. We just hired someone that runs our visitor center who's bilingual. In the next year or so, you're going to see us go really out into those west side communities twofold. One is to get new content to promote the city, but also to explain how tourists can add on to the base of your regular customers. So that is probably one of our top priorities for the next year is to really get more people interested in participating in tourism.
1: Advice that you guys could both give to Rhode Islanders on how they can support the industry right now?
3: Well, Kristen brought it up before be kind. Understand that we're all challenged right now. It's critically important that we honor the people that are taking care of us and take good care of them as well. We're hospitality. I smile all day long, no matter what's going on, and I think that carries forth and helps me in my own mood. There is going to be an end or a change that's coming. Be ready for it.
2: And you can help us in a really practical way. We have a campaign called Recommend Rhode Island, and you can go to the website, com. And we want you to bring a meeting or a convention or a sports tournament or even a really big wedding. We don't care. Just bring it to Rhode Island. My team for free will help you arrange the meeting. All you have to do is do the bragging rights and recommend us, and we'll take it from there. And you know, we lost $78 million worth of meeting business over the pandemic, and we are competing with cities like Boston and New York right now. So, We desperately need the help to bring more business to Rhode Island.
1: Kristen, Dale, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to stay updated on the latest news in Rhode Island, make sure you're subscribed to Roadmap, Dan McGowan's daily roundup of our reporting. And if you're looking for fun activities this week, read Lauren Daly's column on the best things to do in the state. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to Rhode Island Report. It's the best way to get the podcast every week. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Amy Padula. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. I'm Alexa Gagas. Ed is back next week.
0: Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org slash passport. That's ripbs.org slash passport.